Hello from my home to yours. Welcome to EMS at Sea Level. I am joined by Rob Crawford of Benchmark. Uh, Rob, you are the Chief Revenue Officer, correct? That is correct, yes. Excellent. Can you give me a quick introduction to yourself and your background, um, and then we'll dig in a little bit to Benchmark. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I've got an engineering background. Coincidentally, it's kind of funny, a little unique maybe in the EMS industry. Um, I've had a lot of experience outside EMS, which uh, is one of the reasons. So Jeff Bank, who's the CEO of Benchmark, is somebody that I've known for over a decade. We worked together in the semiconductor business years ago. So um, I come into, into this role with a little bit of different background than a lot of folks in EMS because mm -hmm. I've spent time on the customer side, uh, maybe understand the role EMS plays uh, from a customer perspective, which I think is a bit of an advantage as we as we try to you know, align with our customers on strategies moving forward. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that's really interesting as well, Rob. I think um, when I look at people in the MS industry that have kind of been career EMS guys, and then I look at people that have maybe done some time on the uh, on the other side of the negotiating table, it ma it makes a it makes a big big difference. Um, I guess to a degree, the elephant in the room recently has been talk about recession and the economy. So let's just touch on that initially. Where do you see the market in terms of demand softening um, and perhaps talk a little bit about specific specific sectors within that? Yeah, so one of the one of the things that makes Benchmark a little bit unique is that we're focused in what we consider higher value segments of, of the market. Mm -hmm. So some of the consumer product softness that we maybe read about in the newspaper, you know, doesn't affect us as much. We're, we're focused in markets that are a little more resilient, I, I think, to downturn challenges. So if you think about medical, if you think about industrial products, if you think about, uh, you know, the, the, the different parts of, of the industry where we're, where we're focused in computing and other things, these are not consumer-based products. So we, we tend to have a little more resilience when it comes to times of, downturn you know medical is a good example of uh, a market that's pretty solid and less impacted by kind of sequential ups and downs mm -hmm. so uh you know while we do see that on the horizon we do see that it might you know potentially have an impact on us we probably don't see as big of an impact as some other folks in this industry yeah i think uh, what's interesting is last year well, and still ongoing. We had the component crisis, which has slowed down our ability to ship. We've seen that big um, tilt in book to bill uh, and an increased order book and maybe a softening in demand gives us a chance to get those devices in and catch up with a bit of the backlog. Is that something you're seeing, a backlog clearing away and perhaps a, at least some easing in the supply chain, even though it's not fully back to normal? Yeah, it's interesting. It's probably the number one question we have discussions with our customers about right now. Hmm. And that it, that is, in fact, happening, right? Where I think we've seen like memory chips and some of the more standard components seem to be coming back to a more reasonable lead time, seem to be a little more open in terms of supply. So that that's helping the broader market, including us quite a bit in terms of opening up the supply chain. But we do we do see you know extended lead time still with some of the more specialized components. So anything that's mm -hmm. custom, anything that's kind of unique to you know a specific product or technology, there are pockets here where we still you know see extended lead times that are hard. So 
um, one of the things one of the things you find is that if, if maybe you're waiting on ten parts, it, you know, we may we may have found eight of them have have freed yeah. up, but we still have a couple that are still challenging. And so a lot of the efforts we're working with customers on is you know how do we you know how do we have really tactical uh, approaches to try and free up some of the really critical components uh, that are going to unlock some of the shipments we're all waiting for. Yeah, and Rob, that relationship with the customer and that communication with the customer is something that's, I think, been interesting and been challenging over the last 12, 18 months. And I've talked to um, some EMS companies that have said, you know, customers have been really harsh and they've just said, you know, we've ordered the product, you've got to get, you've got to get the stuff for it and get it delivered. But others have said to me, this has been an opportunity to really build a deep partnership with their customers and 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 kind of strengthen that relationship and um, and really shift from a kind of a, a customer supplier to a, a really strong collaborative partnership. Is that something that you've that you've sensed in the last 12, 18 months? Yeah, it's interesting because to your point, right, we've seen probably customer reactions that are all over the map on mm. some of the challenges we've had because um, it's been a tough couple of years. I think that the customers we've been the most successful with are the ones that view this as a partnership. And um, it's funny, I mentioned I was from the semiconductor business. I, I used to work in that industry. And, you know, in some cases, our customers have more leverage than we do, even though we're, you know, we're a $3 billion EMS company, we've got leverage across, you know, a variety of markets. For the broad-based sourced components, that's a real advantage for us. We've got relationships with the with the companies that are supplying us chips, and we tend to be able to find things. But there's a lot of the bomb, especially in some of these, uh, you know, really high-technology products that we build for customers that are, you know, there's registered pricing on components that they've negotiated. Our customers have design authority in most cases, and that design authority allows them to negotiate better terms and pricing with suppliers. So a lot of times what we'll find is that, you know, the most effective approach is one where we both sit down at the table. We look at who has leverage in the supply chain for different parts of the bill of materials. And then we agree to, to partner and, and use our leverage collectively rather than uh, just have them, you know, yell louder, which, uh, you know, unfortunately doesn't do a lot to help us. So, you know, that no. kind of partnered approach with the customers that recognize uh, that this is kind of a, a, a challenge we've got to we've got to partner on uh, collectively to go solve. Um, that's typically been the best approach that we've found. Yeah, they're going to be the winners. What about the supply side? Have you found the suppliers to be equally collaborative? I guess you're um, call, maybe calling in some old friends and some old favors to uh, yeah. uh, to make sure make sure people are listening. But I think. Some people have been critical of the component uh, distribution industry during the last 12 months. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we found, you've kind of got, you've got direct relationships with some of the larger chip companies. You've got mm -hmm. relationships through distribution with a lot, of, a lot of those companies. And then you've also, you know, got brokerage that has been playing a more prominent role probably mm -hmm. in our sourcing strategies these years. And so, you know, making sure we, we kind of keep all three options alive and well um, is, is usually the best approach. Um, and, you know, what, what we found really is that, you know, we typically will be the first ones to try and find components to solve a shortage problem. Hmm. You know, the next thing we'll probably do is we'll work with a customer um, to see, you know, if they have any leverage at all with, with the suppliers based on design authority. Then we look at whether, 
you know, uh, there's a solution that money can solve, right? So sometimes you pay a little extra money through yeah. brokerage or other places and you're able to find parts. Um, so sometimes there's a monetary solution. But, you know, probably the most significant thing we've seen interest improve on over the last couple of years is, is this idea that we look at design alternatives. So, you know, Benchmark is kind of an interesting company. We've got pretty extensive engineering teams. We've got, you know, over 500 design engineers and, and we've, we've actually got a lot of competency in working on a bomb to find parametric equivalents or components that have the same performance capabilities that might be more available in the market. And then working through the qualification and test requirements to work with our customers to transition and open up the AVL. That's actually been, we found a lot of success in that approach. Um, and that's, that's probably, you know, one of the things that, you know, if you find the golden key there and you're able to mm. unlock, um, you know, the supply chain through opening up the AVL, it, it bears a lot of fruit. I can get components, Typically, I end up with cost leverage when I do that because yeah. I've got multiple options on my bill of materials. So that's, you know, that's been one of the places where we've found a lot of success with customers. Um, and that, that includes new customers, by the way. A lot of new yeah. customers come to us um, and just, you know, they're looking to, to solve the problem by, by working on the bomb, recognize that our experience there is valuable. So it's been, you know, that's been probably one of the more prominent parts of our engagements with customers. Yeah, that's important, isn't it? And the whole idea of designing for disruption as we go forward, realizing that, you know, the disruptions that we've had in the supply chain and then the pandemic and then trade wars before that have led us to realize that change is constant, disruption is constant in the market. And although we can prepare for the disruptions we've seen, there's probably surprises around every corner that we need to also design our product and our business model for. I wanted to talk a little bit about the, um, not not so much about politics, more about geopolitics and where it leaves the EMS industry in terms of footprint. Benchmark are quite unique in that they have a very strong um, America's footprint, not super dependent on China, which is what a lot of people are concerned about. Has that been valuable to you? And how do you see the shift in in the geography of the supply chain continuing over the next 12 months? Uh, yeah, it's a good point, right? So that is probably one of the things that makes us a little unique. We have a uh, majority of our footprint is in the Americas. So uh, this idea of nearshoring is something that mm. we have a lot of uh, active conversations with customers. Um, our most popular geography for uh, customers right now is Mexico. It's, you know, it's it's close to a lot of our customers in the Americas, and still offers you know uh, a way to have less expensive labor, but still a lot closer to home. It's considered nearshoring. We also see it in Europe. So Eastern Europe, uh, our site in Romania has been very popular with European customers. A lot of the same you know things that are driving yeah, nearshoring for the Americas is, is the same for European companies. Um, and so Romania has been a very popular option for us. And then there's also non-China sites in Asia, like Thailand and Malaysia, that have been, uh, th those have been popular as well. So I think, you know, a lot of times it's, it's a matter of, um, you know, trying to help customers solve the, pr the real problem is landed cost, right? So mm -hmm. if I look at all of this stuff, logistics and material costs, labor costs, everything else, and then, you know, tariffs and other financial things that may come into the equation, you know, what's it going to cost to get the product they need to the geography that they need it in? And what's the best path to, to get us there? 
Um, and which which one has the least risk is also you know a concern because yeah. uh, a yeah. lot of people feel like some of the instability represents risk, uh, so that a lot of people are trying to mitigate that risk by by trying to find uh, solutions a little closer to home. Yeah, yeah, and I think Mexico is a great a great solution. I lived a while, for a while in Guadalajara, so I know the town pretty well. Um, I know that they do have, they've raised the um, the minimum wage there and, you know, it's a city with 100,000 people working in the EMS industry. So um, there's a lot of talent there, but there's a lot of, lot of demand for talent. Do you see, you see Mexico as kind of key to that um, America solution for the next, for the, for the coming years? I do. It's interesting because um, what you're saying is true, right? And so you've got, uh, we're not the only EMS company or not the only manufacturing company that's seeing an interest in, in Mexico right now. So some of the cost advantages of, of Mexico as a manufacturing location are starting to get watered down a little bit. Labor rates are, are going up. A lot of these are mandated increases that the government is, is rolling out. So, you know, we, we do see, um, you know, that probably being a factor and it's probably part of our pricing conversations with customers more than it's been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I, it's interesting because I, I think the customer conversations are just different now than they used to be, Phil. It's more, you know, we're having more conversations around, um, you know, ways to make sure that we mitigate risk. People see risk. Um, forecast fluctuations have been challenging. Supply chain is a big part of the conversation now. So it's in you know, engineering, all the things that we're talking about in terms of redesign, the conversation is just different, right? Mm. Let's say five years ago, this was a conversation around cost and around- How many uh, points can you cut this quarter? Yeah, exactly. And you know, year-on-year reductions and some of the things yeah. that used to be prominent in the industry. But the reality is we're paying premiums on materials right now. We're paying mm. premiums on labor right now. So you know, customers, rather than trying to-, to to squeeze water out of the rock on pricing, they're really more interested in risk mitigation, um, you know, and making sure that they're partnered with somebody uh, that has a robust business process and, and all that. So, you know, I, I think that different conversation tends to favor us a little bit, in all honesty. We're not the biggest EMS company out there. Um, and so, you know, our ability to make sure that we you know, we're working within the, the framework of where the customer's objectives are is a little bit easier. So yeah. things like engineering, think, supply chain, pay a real advantage. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a more grown-up conversation. I think it's a more valuable conversation. And when I look at your size at around about three billion, um, you know, for almost all OEMs, that's a that's a pretty nice, nice size partner to have. Um, you know, it's only when you get to the the very large ones, and perhaps they're the ones that are impacted more by the uh, you know the fluctuation in terms of consumer demand, and that's impacting the you know the very large Taiwanese EMSs rather than rather than companies like Benchmark. So, I think there's some encouragement for that. What I want to wrap up with, Rob, is just the when you put all those ingredients together, and as the chief revenue officer of a company like Benchmark. As you look to the future and you look to kind of not redesign, but uh, to to develop the muscle within um, within benchmark to be that EMS to the future, what do you think the what do you think the key areas are that are going to allow you to really leverage those those deeper, more grown up partnerships that you've got with your customers? 
Yeah, I think probably the most important thing we're doing is we're listening to our customers. We're paying a lot more attention to the sectors that we sell into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Semicap's a good example. We we have some fairly large customers in the Semicap capital equipment part of the part of the industry. They're they're facing a lot of things. Chips Act is changing where a lot of the fabs are being built. There's been mm-hmm. a lot more uh, restrictions on import and export of of equipment. Um, so, so a lot of what we're doing is we're listening very closely to, to what they have to say. And it's not, you know, what, it's not about what they're doing next quarter. It's more about what do they want to do over the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true in every one of our market sectors. And so, you know, by listening to our customers, I, I think we found that we're investing in areas where they want to see us expand so that, you know, we're expanding our facilities in Eastern Europe. We're expanding our facilities in Mexico. Um, we just recently, you may have noticed, we announced a new manufacturing facility here in Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, doing a lot of the more specialty manufacturing work that we might do in the semi-cap industry. So, you know, I, I think making sure we're listening closely to the customers in terms of directionally where they want to go, what capabilities they need, where they need those capabilities. Um, you know, we've, we've been able to invest in, you know, making sure that our, our, our growth model matches where our customers want us to be. Um, and that's probably the most important thing we try to do uh, with our customers. I, I'd say um, the customers that are really embracing a partnership with us are having that conversation about two or three years down the road. Yeah. Um, as we work through some of the short-term pain of you know, supply chain challenges and labor rate increases, um, you know, the conversation that I want to have is one that's more around making sure we're investing in the right places for where they want us to be. Yeah, and it makes a more sticky relationship. I think um, what's fascinating there is that, you know, you you may have been ahead of the curve in that you're not one of those companies that's been chasing um, the idea of being the largest or the cheapest. Um, that doesn't make you the best partner for, for most of most of the OEMs that you're dealing with. What makes you the best partner at the moment is being the most robust, being the most agile, being the most flexible, having a footprint that suits what they what they need and and um and the demand they have from their customers. And I really like that mixture of uh the US, but also with Mexico. Um, both Western and Eastern Europe, and some of those old old school Asian players, as we think of the you know the original Asian tigers and tiger cubs in in Malaysia and uh, and Thailand, they're just they're just really good at, at manufacturing, and they've been doing it for decades. So um, I think there's a lot of encouragement there. So I think yeah, I think you're in a good place, and I think it sounds like you're doing all the right things, and. Uh, I think there's a lot of benefit from that change in customer relationship that's been built on the trust of everything everything you've gone through together over the last 12 to 18 months. So, um, yeah, a good future to look forward to. Rob, it's been a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your insight. Um, and I look forward to chatting again soon and keeping an eye on what Benchmark are doing. Thank you. That sounds good. Well, I, I always appreciate talking to you. Thanks for, thanks for the time. <laughs>